All right, everybody ready? Uh, yep. We are good to go. Yeah. Welcome to Wearing the Folk. Today I'm Cecil Fletcher, as always. <laughs> and I've got Mr. Henry Tully with me up there in northern Kentucky where the high and mighty live. And we have a special guest today, Miss Jenny Ashford. Uh, Jenny, where in the folk are you? I am uh, right outside of Orlando, Florida. No oh, shit. That's where I was born. <laughs> really? I was born in Daytona Beach, actually. I lived in Apopka until I was eight. Well, damn. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we live in Sanford, just right outside of Orlando. Yeah, Cecil yeah. almost got uh, eaten by alligators when he was a child. <laughs> um, Didn't we all? <laughs> I told the story. Um, I told the story before, but we was out in the glades or whatever. You know how they had those walkabouts, mm-hmm. uh, concrete culvert there, and there were some eggs down there. And I was like, "Oh shit, eggs!" So being four or five years old, I was like, "I'm gonna bust these eggs." <laughs> and I had this luscious, beautiful, solid white hair, and my dad just grabbed me by it and took <laughs> off running. And while I looked behind, there was a gator chasing us. <laughs> oh, no. Like, Don't you break my eggs. So mama gator is going to come and gobble you up. <laughs> it's extremely fun time. <laughs> I'm sure at that time they were in danger, too. It was like 89 or something. <laughs> yeah, because I think they took them off the endangered list later, but I don't remember when that was. So was I'm, In the 90s or something. So that was probably my first federal crime crime that I ever committed. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first one. <laughs> um, so uh, you have so much content, like it's it's remarkable. Um, I was looking at you have over nine hundred videos on your channel. Can you tell people about your what, about your content and things of that nature? Man, do we really have nine hundred? I didn't even realize. Um, yeah, because we just started the show like four years ago. We started in the summer of 2016. And initially we were just um, going to do, because I'd been starting to write, um, you know, paranormal nonfiction and stuff. And so we wanted to start kind of like a fun podcast where we talked about mostly paranormal stuff, but, you know, maybe some true crime or unsolved mysteries and stuff. And so we started doing that. And then I think we just initially did one show a week, but then for whatever reason, because we're gluttons for punishment or something, I guess, like we just kept adding more shows. Like we'd be like, hey, we should do a movie review show. Hey, we should do a new movie review show. Hey, we should do book (laughs) reviews. We should do this, that, and the other thing. And it's got to a point now where we not only have the main show, which we now do as a live stream on Friday nights and that they're usually, and we usually get like really, really drunk on them. And so they go on for like four or five hours (laughs) (laughs) because we go off on all these tangents, like whatever the topic is. Um, So we have that still, but now we do like, um, God, we, we put something up pretty much every day. I think we do like four or five movie reviews a week. I do a book review every week. Uh, We do a food show like once a week. Because that was one of the things we kept going off on tangents was about food all the time. Because uh, Tom, you know, my co-host, he's, uh, you know, he really likes to cook. So we'd always talk about food. So I'm like, why don't we just do a food show and then you can just talk about that on there. So then we started doing that. And now it's just got to a point where 
I mean, that's kind of like, it's almost like a full-time job at this point. I mean, because I have other things going on too. Like I write books and design games and stuff, but that kind of takes up like most of my time just because it's just such a huge, and you know, a lot of the shows we do as live streams, I think, and I like that better. I didn't think I would because I'm really nervous, like, you know, being, you know, just talking to people, but um, it actually worked out better because I could see everyone's chats and I could relate to them and stuff. So I get more nervous when stuff's recorded actually, which is really weird. But uh, yeah, so we do like a whole bunch of live streams every week and uh, see, people seem to like it. It seems to be pretty fun. You know, <laughs> we do, we've been doing a lot of true crime lately. We haven't done as much paranormal stuff. I think the last kind of paranormal we did was, I think we did a show about the Phoenix lights a couple of weeks ago, but mostly the one we did last night was um, Aileen Warnos which people had been requesting for a long time. So <laughs> serial killer from Daytona beach. And it's like, I recognized every single place. Like I knew the motel where she lived at. I was like, Oh, that was right across the street from my house. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was have, that kind of thing. I have a feeling huh. that my dad probably picked her up at least once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people probably did, which is like really freaky. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that is, that's all where you can find all her content. Thank you for tuning in. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah, that, that's an enormous <laughs> amount of of commitment. Like all of that stuff that you just talked about, which you know we I think we talked in the beginning about live streaming, but you know like we were talking before the show, uh, that could go really bad for us because yeah. of the, the the structure of our shows. Um, um, what it is, we did live stream the first three um, when it was Bipolar Teddy Bear. And I, um, I'm ignorant, so I say <laughs> stuff that has to be edited out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was one of the things that I worried about, too. Not so much me, because, I mean, I'm kind of the person that does... You know, I make jokes and stuff, too, but I'm more the straight person, the, you know, the straight man, and I do, like, most of the research... Whereas Tom is more, he doesn't usually know as much about the topic. So he's usually just like riffing on whatever I'm saying, uh, you know, and we're kind of interacting. So I was kind of more worried about him saying some crazy shit um, and us getting in trouble <laughs> um, or or me like losing my place in my notes and then just being sitting there like looking like an idiot. So I was kind of worried about that. But it didn't really end up being like that, I guess, because we we ended up over the years, we got such a really good um, kind of core group of people who, for whatever reason, will drop in like every day, every single day we do a live stream because we live stream five days a week and we'll just come in and it's all it's the same people. And now they all start to know each other. So they're all talking to each other like, hey, man, how are you over in, you know, Uzbekistan or wherever the hell <laughs> you, are. you know what I mean? So it, it, so it's just kind of like really cool that it's like this little community. And, uh, you know, so so I feel like less nervous then because I know them and, you know, virtually and they send us presents, they send us movies and shirts and crazy stuff like that. But, yeah, it ended up being really fun. But it is it's weird. I didn't really think about it. I mean, I didn't intend for us to have this many shows going. It just kind of happened like over the years. And um, when yeah, when I was just talking about it just then i just realized i'm like i must be a crazy person like wanting to add all this stuff all the time um 
but it's I don't know. We have a good time doing it. So I guess. So, so were you a an author before you started all the shows? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean that was initially why we started it was you know f- kind of for book promotion you know is is what we were doing because like we, we kind of wanted to get more out there in you know maybe paranormal circles or unsolved mystery circles or something like that um so i could kind of get in that community um you know since we had a book out and it just kind of snowballed from there and now it takes up like way more time i still write my books but um i don't have as much time to do them anymore uh because we do the show but you know that was that was initially and actually I started writing uh, horror fiction first. That's what I was doing up until about 2014 or 2015. Um, and then I started doing the paranormal nonfiction stuff. And then things just kind of went off on a whole di- different tangent, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I just think about like like Cecil's working on a book. And I, I just can't imagine just one day being like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to start cranking out books about the stuff that I'm interested in. Like, I think that takes a lot of courage in and itself because, you know, this stuff's pretty heavily scrutinized. So that's, that's awesome. It is. Yeah. I, well, and the thing about it is that I, um, for a long time, it was hard for me to write because I kind of thought of it like that, like, oh, I'm going to sit down and start a book. I kind of figured that it works out better if you're just kind of like, I'm going to sit down and write a couple pages. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if, if I yeah. have to think about this is like the start of a big, huge undertaking, then it's going to freak me out and I'm not going to do it. Like I'm going to get intimidated. So I have to like break everything down into like tiny little chunks. Like today I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And if I do that, then I'll be happy and I can, go have a cup of coffee and relax you know what I mean and then tomorrow I'll do xyz again and then so that's what I ended up doing like when when I started doing my true crime books I basically had to have it okay well this week I'm gonna write this chapter you know what I mean like I'll write this many pages a day or whatever and as long as I got a chapter a week done then I was happy about it I didn't want to think about the whole book which is good because I think the second the second true crime book that I wrote, The Faceless Villain, Volume 2, ended up being like 900 pages long or something, which, like I said, I didn't intend for that to happen, but that's just kind of how it ended up happening. So so how's the research for true crime compared to paranormal? Um, the true crime research, I have to say, it's a lot more, I mean, obviously there's a lot more uh, sources, but in a, in a lot of ways, it's a lot easier because the paranormal cases are a lot more nebulous and it's a lot more, um, you know, just kind of people's say so. And sometimes, particularly cases that were older, um, it's it seems like, you know, stuff gets changed around over the years because a lot of things gets repeated from book to book or blog to blog or whatever and you're not really sure what the actual truth of it is so it's a lot more subjective whereas if you're writing true crime it's a lot more you know it's a lot more factual where it's just kind of like you know this person was murdered at this time and yeah these are the facts of the case and it's all in the paper and it's all in the police reports and everything like that whereas the paranormal one is a lot more i ha- i found that when i was writing it, i had to kind of 
put a lot of kind of wishy-washy language in there going, well, some people said this, and then some people said that, and this person said this, but later said <laughs> this other thing. So it, so it always had to be just kind of, <laughs> I just kind of had to cover my ass on a lot of it. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I feel like I kind of prefer the true crime just because, like I said, for, because it's easier. Like when I was writing a few years back, I wrote um, The Unseen Hand, which was like a, a poltergeist case compilation. And I went all the way back to like 600, like the Middle Ages or something. And um, I found that, you know, it was fun to write, but it was kind of difficult to write, too, just because the sources were so kind of vague and, you know, and a, and a lot of details changed from telling to telling. So, but, you know, I had to put a lot of that in there. But, and then what I found, I mean, the other paranormal books that I wrote, um, you know, I wrote Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist. That was the first one. And the other two that I wrote with uh, Steve Mara, those are easier because that was just one person's, like what they saw. You know what I mean? Like Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist, that was just, you know, Tom, uh, you know, the my co-host on the show, my boyfriend also. Um, that was his experience. So I was just writing about what he saw. And the other two that I did with Steve Mara, these were cases that he investigated. So he had notes, you know, like okay. we were there that, you know, these nights and we saw this, that, and the other thing. So it was a lot easier to put that into book form because it wasn't vague. It was just one person's, you know, witness statement, you know? Yeah. That's something I was going to ask is like, whether you've interviewed any of the like folks that were directly in contact, like not even just with the paranormal, but with the true crime stuff, like, I don't know how deep you get into it. Like whether you're just like researching or whether you're contacting you know, witnesses or firsthand, you know, accounts of things? Yeah, most, I did that more with the paranormal stuff. The true crime stuff, I usually just go through archives of stuff. Um, you know, every now and then, if there's something that I need to clear up, you know, I'll shoot somebody an email and see if they'll tell me, you know, something to clear a detail up or whatever. But that one's mostly just kind of research-based. The paranormal books, other than Unseen Hand, which was kind of more, you know, a, a couple people I had talked to for different uh, cases that I covered in that book. But the other, but the paranormal books were mostly just talking to the people that had seen the stuff happen. Um, or in the case that the ones that I wrote with Steve Mara, ones that he investigated and he was there, him and, you know, his team were there and they were just telling me what they saw. And I just was kind of like putting it in a narrative and, and various things like that. So I need to, I need to write a fictional one. The one I'm writing is autobiographical. <laughs> <laughs> a survivor story. Are you a believer in the paranormal? Um, yeah. Not, so much. I I think I'm less skeptical than I used to be. Um, I you know I've always been pretty skeptical. I, the thing about it is that when I met Tom and we started working on the Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist case, and he told me all about. I mean that was what made me start writing paranormal nonfiction because he was just so adamant that you know this happened to him when he was 13 and he was very detailed. 
And he just kept telling me the story. And I was like, that is just the craziest shit I've ever heard. And, um, and he was basically like, he's like, he's like, okay, I, I didn't say that I didn't believe him, but I was just kind of like, that's a pretty, um, that's some pretty outlandish claims that you're making there. And he was like, no, call my aunt and uncle in California. They saw it too. We were all there together. Um, you know, and they'll tell you the exact same. I won't even be there. Like they'll tell you the exact same thing that I told you. So I called them and I talked to them and, you know, they said the same thing he said, and they pretty much went down with very, very, uh, you know, small variations. They were like, yeah, this happened and that happened. And I'm like, holy crap, I wonder what that could have been. So then, um, after a while, like he just kept telling me about it and I got really interested and I was kind of like, well, do you mind if I write a book about that? Cause it's like a really interesting case. And, you know, he didn't have ever have anybody investigate it or anything because it didn't happen at his house, at their house. It happened at like a vacation condo in California in the Mammoth Mountains. When he was a kid, it was him and his cousin and his aunt and uncle. And they were just staying at this condo for like a week or something over Christmas. And for whatever reason, they they're staying there. And as soon as they got there, just poltergeist shit started happening. Um, and then after they left there, it kind of followed them a little bit, like back to uh, back to his aunt and uncle's house for a few days, too. Um, so that's kind of so the more that I looked into that case and listen to him talk about it and then when that book came out uh we started we kind of struck up a friendship with steve mara uh you know the british parapsychologist because he read the book and he reviewed it for his magazine and uh so we started talking and he's and he's just like an awesome guy and he had and he's like you know he's like i have all these cases that i've kind of been meaning to write out his books and stuff, but I just don't have time to do it. So do you want to do it? Uh, so I was like, sure. So we wrote um, the Rochdale poltergeist together. And um, I mean, he just, well, I just talked to him over Skype and uh, you know, and he just w did a rundown of everything that happened in the case. And we turned a book into that. And then he had also investigated the, um, the uh, what do they call it? The demons in Seattle case with uh, Keith Linder. Yeah, he investigated that case as well. So we wrote a book about that, too. I think Keith Linder actually subsequently wrote his own book about it, because um, the book that I wrote was pretty much all from Steve Mara's point of view. I mean, I did talk to Keith Linder and I did put some of his stuff in there, too, but it was mostly Steve, you know, getting there and saying what he saw when he got there. But um, uh, I but, you know, just going through all of that, I kind of got to a point where. I don't think that um, that this type of poltergeist activity, because I actually ended up seeing some myself just a couple of years ago, which I had never seen before. But I don't know if I'd necessarily say that it was supernatural, because I think that it comes from a living agent. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't believe in ghosts or uh, an afterlife or anything like that. So I don't believe in like an intelligent, I guess, like okay. an intelligent entity doing it. But I mean, and particularly the Mammoth Mountain case, which was Tom. And like I said, I've known him for like 10 years. And I think that the poltergeist stuff that he experienced when he was a kid was him doing it. I just think he didn't realize it at first. He did realize it later. And that's what stopped it. 
he's like, that's what stopped it was me going, oh, hey, this must be me doing this like subconsciously. And I think that's exactly what it was. And that and it went away for like a really long time. And then when we were writing the book and we were just talking about it all the time, uh, it started up again, like not to the extent that it was back then because he was 13 and now, you know, he's older. But there was like some minor shit that happened in the house. And I think at that point we had both kind of come to the realization that it's like it's definitely him doing it. Because the more he thought about it, the more, or, you know, and sometimes if he gets upset or something like that, like something will happen. So I definitely think it's coming from him. I don't think it's coming from anywhere else. So you think that like paranormal and everything's like conjured basically? Yeah. Like like energy. Yeah. 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 And I think that there, I think the kind of, there might be, that's what I mean when I say I don't know if it's necessarily supernatural because I think it's it might be something that they'll figure out what it is at some point and there'll be some scientific explanation. Maybe a weird one, but I I definitely do think that there's some kind of way. I think Tom calls it um he's like it's kind of like an out of body experience but it's only like half your brain, like your you know what I mean, like like your id or your subconscious is kind of like acting outside of your body like while your consciousness is still in there. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what he compared it to. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> you might need to start seeing a shrink. That's why I had. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would take. I honestly don't. <laughs> so that's that's interesting because like one of the questions I usually ask people is like whether they think, you know, ghosts are intelligent or whether it's like imprinted energy that just plays in a loop. Um, so I think that kind of like, if you're in a place that's already, that has a history packed and maybe sometimes not even like with a history, but you know, just think about like these old battlefields and stuff that people go to and they see soldiers and, and everything else. Like maybe they're just lending their, their energy to the highlight reel, you know, of you know, the dark stuff that happened there. Yeah, I do kind of feel like that's maybe because, um, you know, I know that people have seen, uh, you know, entities and various things. And I don't think that all those people are just mistaken. Um, But I do kind of think that I don't know if uh, if the if those ghosts or whatever are intelligent. Like you said, I think it might just be kind of a weird playback type of thing. Well, especially like if if you believe in like infinite universes, like like that stuff is always happening and never happening at the same time. So I don't know. It's just weird to think about. Yeah. It might be even just some other reality, like bleeding into ours. Exactly. Yeah. It could be a vision of like time travel or something. Maybe there's some way to unlock time travel based off that. Yeah, see, I wonder about stuff like that. Well, the it could very well be something like that. In my conspiracy youth, side of, of my, my brain. Go ahead. In my youth, I did enough acid to where I thought I could time travel, but I, never. <laughs> <laughs> I kept trying to make that jump. It just never, the quantum market worked for me. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think there's probably some stuff that we don't know about that you know, the conspiracy side of me thinks that pro- is probably already out there somewhere. Like, 
you know, in, in the U.S. anyway, um, there's like 80 patents that were seized by the government because they were deemed to be like a danger to society. Well, one of those patents was a motor that ran on water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you know, who, who knows what's out there? It's a danger to society because it eliminates the petrol dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> danger oh, <man>. to society. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts the government's pocket, but we'll we'll stay off that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, so when it comes to this, do you? When it comes to the conjuring and everything, do you think it has any relation to like witchcraft or anything? Um, I actually don't think so, because one of the things that, uh, I mean, through, through me talking to Tom about his experiences and talking to Steve Mara about a lot of the cases that he investigated, I kind of feel like what it is, I feel like particularly poltergeist activity, which is kind of more my area of expertise, I guess, if anybody could be an expert in that kind of thing, which I don't think they can be, but I kind of feel like, um, that it works better if it's coming from a living agent, but that living agent doesn't know that it's coming from them. It's almost kind of like you can only do it if it if you think that it's something outside of yourself. So in that way, I think that if you tried to do something deliberately, like like you're saying, like summoning, you know, a demon or an entity or something, I'm not entirely sure it would work. I mean, at least in the framework that I'm talking about, like about poltergeist and stuff, because I think that that's more you you kind of have to uh, allow it rather than, you know what I mean? So so it works better if you think that it's something else doing it and not you, because it's almost kind of like you knowing about it and, you know, trying to do it intentionally kind of um, it just keeps just prevents it from happening because it's almost kind of like. I don't know. It, it's something that has to be channeled or it has to be like let out of you. But I don't think you can do it on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that like makes the, sense. Like the men who stare at goats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not. So I think that that's why like a lot of those because I know they, you know, they did. They used to do like a lot of those experiments like you're like you're saying about um you know, trying to like do remote viewing and stuff. And I think a lot of times it didn't work all that well. Um, you know, maybe some people were able to get it kind of okay, but I, I kind of feel like if you're trying to do it deliberately, I think it's just gonna, it's gonna mess it up. It's almost oh. kind of like you can't do it on purpose. It almost has to be done by accident, weirdly. <laughs> no issue with the remote viewing and like the MK Ultra projects. Like I believe fully that they had some success with the MK Ultra. Um, but have you ever seen the drawings that they had the people do and they're like, oh, this is this and this and this from the remote viewing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Squiggles on the line and they're like, this is a tower. <laughs> like, <the> fuck <laughs> yeah, I did. I saw that. And they're like, yeah, this, oh, it's that thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's basically something like, well, people seeing what they want to see. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, I'd be impressed if they actually drew the actual thing it's like look it's a lighthouse with a gate next to it and like it really looked not just a bunch of squiggles on a piece of paper 
That is like, like, well, if you if you kind of squint, <laughs> like my nephew drawing a picture of fucking Mo and Lisa or something, <laughs> like a fucked up cat. <laughs> That's what it is. He brought me one today. He's like, do you know what this is? And I was like, what is that? He's like, Among Us. I was like, Among Us. What the fuck is Among Us? He's like, they're all Among Us. I was like, that's deep, man. <laughs> 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 Good job. <laughs> but anyway, we know you love Sony's movies, and we do as well. Um, what's some of? I know this is one of those questions that's virtually impossible to answer. But what's some? What's your favorite? My fa- my very favorite horror movie ever. Yeah. Ooh, that is a hard question. Um. <laughs> I would have to say, okay, in terms of a horror movie that I could happily watch every day for the rest of my life and just, and always find something different in it, The Shining. The Shining. I have seen that movie probably 200 times, and every single time I watch it, I see something else. Like, I find something different in it. It's like, it's kind of like a close race. I think it's like a three-way tie, like The Shining, The Thing, and... The Haunting from 1963. Why does nobody ever say Trolls 2? Why does nobody ever say Trolls 2? He says what? Troll 2. That part. So what I'm you, sure somebody does. Somebody out there, that's their favorite movie. <laughs> you, know the guy, you know the guy that's, that starred in that? They asked him yeah. years later about it, and he forgot he was even in it. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> didn't they do that documentary about it? What was yeah. that documentary called? The worst movie ever made, or yeah. best worst movie? Best worst movie. That's what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good documentary. Although I have to say, um, the dude, the dude that was in it that uh, that played like the main character, he was like a dentist or whatever. Yeah. Um, that guy seems like a little bit of a dick. Gotta say, oh, yeah. in that in that uh, documentary. I was kind of like, wow, hmm, he's kind of douchey. <laughs> I'd love to get my hands on is Dr. Giggles. God, I haven't seen that in so long. I remember uh, seeing that cable a lot back in the 90s. I'd love to get my hands on that. So, totally <laughs> so if you uh, if you love The Shining, what did you think about Dr. Sleep? Um, I actually liked it. Uh, you know, I... I like the, uh, we actually bought the extended cut on Blu-ray and I actually liked the extended cut better because there was a lot of stuff in there that they had cut out of the theatrical that I probably think they shouldn't have. But, you know, I can see they're like, well, they didn't want it to be like, you know, two hours and 45 minutes long or whatever it was. I think that, I think he struck, uh, it was Mike Flanagan, right? Directly. I think he struck a good balance between making, uh, you know, a new story you know, in the same universe and also kind of giving fan service to, uh, you know, fans of the Stanley Kubrick movie while still staying true to Stephen King's book, because, you know, obviously the book, The Shining and the movie, The Shining are really different. And Stephen King didn't like Stanley Kubrick's adaptation, even though Stephen King is wrong (laughs) because it's a brilliant movie. I like the novel too, but it's two different things. I have to say, you know what? I think I liked the Dr. Sleep movie. And I don't say this 
about a lot of things, but I liked the Dr. Sleep movie better than I liked the book. I didn't love the book. I was really excited about reading it because The Shining is probably, you know, probably my second or third favorite Stephen King book. And um, so I was like really, I was really pumped like to read the book and I was just kind of like, eh, it was okay. The book was okay. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King's newer stuff, I have to say. I think the newest one, well, I read Dr. Sleep. And I think before that, the only one I'd read was like Under the Dome. I think that was the last one I read. And God, I don't even remember how many years ago that was. He just keeps writing so many books, I can't keep up. Yeah. It's like I looked the other day, I was I was like scrolling through Amazon because I was looking for some more books to buy for my book review show. And I saw like all these new Stephen King books. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I never heard of this Stephen King. But holy crap, how many books have you been writing, dude? And I thought he was... Remember like 10 years, well, shit, was it 10 years ago, 20 years ago? And he said he was going to retire. Yeah. And he wasn't going to books anymore. And like the second he said that, I'm like, shut up. No, you're not. And he didn't. I knew he wasn't going to. He's uh, He writes compulsively. <laughs> he I can't stop. <laughs> I think it's funny that the original Danny Torrance works at a college in Kentucky, like not too far from here. Yeah. And, um, and, you, and apparently if you bring up that movie to him, he gets real pissed off. <laughs> I was like, well, what? he was in Doctor Sleep, wasn't he? He was. He had like a small. He had like a cameo. Yeah, something like that. It might be a different fucking movie. Shit, I think that's a different movie. Is the Danny Torrance? You guys talk. I'm gonna look this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, do you ever get like, what do you do to keep from getting burnt out? Like, it has to be like just reading about doom and gloom and stuff like that all the time like in your research like how do you palate cleanse you know what's crazy i think somebody else asked me that before and i said is this going to make me sound like a psychopath but it doesn't bother me um and honestly sometimes i will spend all day reading about horrible true crime cases for the book and then i'll go in the bedroom with it with a cocktail and I'll watch like three horror movies in a row where people say, I don't know. It just, it, I mean, obviously it bothers me like the true crime stuff because it's horrific. Um, but I guess, I don't know. You just kind of get numb to it after a while. I know that sounds terrible. I'm not, you know, it's, well, no, it's like no, not, no judgment here. I, I was yeah. just curious. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I've always been, I have this really weird, like, I don't know. Maybe it's a genetic predisposition or something. But it's like ever since I was a kid, all I wanted to do was like watch and read creepy shit. It's like I don't like happy shit. I don't like anything like that. And it's like and it's almost kind of like that stuff like makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like I really like sad music. I really like horror movies. I just like reading about serial killers. And it's just... I can just do that all day long and it just, it doesn't really bother me. It's funny because, um, man, Tom cannot watch true crime shit. It's like, I'll, cause I'll put like cold case files on or something like that. Just kind of while I'm chilling out, he'll be like, can we like put something else on? It's like, this is so depressing. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. It's just, I don't, I don't know why it doesn't bother me. No, Maybe I that think, makes me a terrible person. I think you would fit in great with our friend circle. <laughs> I was right, by the way. He um, was an associate. Prof- he's associate professor at the Department of Biology at Elizabethtown Community and Technical College. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, Kentucky. Good job, Dan. 
<laughs> and his real name's Danny Lloyd. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just I can't I know that I know that he was he had a cameo in Doctor Sleep, but I can't remember He was um who he played. It, he was a spectator at the Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like he had like one line. I think he was at that at the baseball game or whatever, like where that kid was that got murdered. Yeah. And yeah. Since you're somebody that loves horror movies and been watching them for a long time, there, I've been on the hunt for a horror movie. I remember watching one when I was really little, and it may be real or it may not be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had some movies like that. <laughs> it may have been a dream, and I have bought some weird-ass movies looking for this. Um, hence why I have uh, Women's Prison Massacre over here. <laughs> but, um... All right, so it's this couple that break down and their vehicle gets taken to a junkyard. All right? Yeah. So while they're waiting on their vehicle to get fixed by these rednecks or so forth, they start looking around in the garage and they start noticing these little jars full of stuff. And they pick one up and it has body parts in it, like a hand and eyes and stuff like this. And then it continues on. And there's a woman that is naked that is frozen in a block of ice in it. Hmm. That kind of sounds familiar. Yeah, I've been but on I the can't... movie for thirty years. <laughs> now I'm curious. I gotta look that up. It, it did. It does actually sound kind of kind of familiar. I mean, I I watched so many movies growing up. I mean, as soon as I was old enough to go to the video store by myself, you know. It was just horror movies. And actually, actually, when I was younger than that, because my parents didn't care if I watched horror movies, I'd be like, hey, can you rent Microwave Massacre? (laughs) And they're like, "Uh, "Okay, sure. So so I saw so many like of those cheap schlocky movies. I saw so many TV movies, like horror movies in the 70s. And I still have a really soft spot for TV horror movies from the 70s. I don't know why. It's just something about the whole vibe of them. We just reviewed one the other day, Gargoyles. I think that was from like 1974, I want to say. Yeah. Early 70s. But my, I remember seeing that on TV back in the day. My dad <laughs> let me watch everything. Like I, One of my first movies I remember watching was Sleepaway Camp. But for some reason, he had a real disdain for Bill and Ted, Bogus Journey. And huh. me and my wife were talking about this. And he'd always say, turn that off. That's blasphemous. I'm like, we just fucking watched. <laughs> but my wife yeah, is, these two movies i don't really I, I don't see what could possibly be offensive about bill and ted's bogus journey i think I'm <laughs> only, if he was alive i'd call him out on it but um i watched it all the time and my wife said that was just a tactic to keep you from watching it anymore he got tired of it and i was like that makes sense <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it was maybe it's just kind of like because you know how sometimes kids will get into those things where they want to watch the same movie every day yeah that's what and it finally was. Th- finally the parents are like it broke <laughs> 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 we can't watch it anymore <laughs> so i know that you don't uh, necessarily believe in ghosts and things of that nature but do you believe in other paranormal things like cryptids and things of that nature like entities that live on the earth that are not well known and are disputed like bigfoot frogman <laughs> i you know what i would be willing to give bigfoot a pass because that 
I feel like that's something that could probably exist because I don't, I mean, I don't think it's like supernatural or anything. I just think it's maybe like a big ape or a big hominid. Um, you know, I, it's probably not, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's unlikely that one hasn't been found, but that to me seems the most plausible cryptid. Some of the other ones kind of like, um, you know, like Mothman and stuff like that. Or even like Loch Ness monster, I just I think the logistics of them existing are too unlikely. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, particularly the Loch Ness monster because that thing is supposedly huge, and you would think that if there was a large enough breeding population for them to be around for that for as long as they've been seen, that you know that you would see them all the time. But I don't know, something smaller, I guess. Like I said, Bigfoot, I, you know, I, I don't know if it exists or not, but that seems the most plausible to me of all the other ones. But some of what, the other ones, probably not. What if Loch Ness actually does exist, but it's not as big as everybody says it is? It's only like this big and it just floats around. That'd be cool. I like to have one in a fish tank. <laughs> <laughs> like a that would be cool, actually. That would explain, like, that would explain why they didn't get seen that often is because, well, they're just little. And you know, it's like a goldfish too. Like it could have been something somebody created in a lab, and they kept it in a tank, and it just stayed small forever. And then when they put it in the river, it just got big because goldfish, <laughs> if you keep them in a tank forever, they're small. Yeah. But if you a pond, they get really big. So it could be a situation like that. Yeah. I bet a uh, goldfish mixed with a dog DNA or something. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> 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 Now, now we're uh, we're we're getting to see that that acid ten years later. <laughs> ten years. <if> my- <laughs> oh, I'm like thirty six or something. It's been like twenty years. Right? <laughs> I don't know, something like that. How old am I right now? Thirty five, thirty six. I think you're thirty five. Uh Cool. Oh, you're young. <laughs> you're a youngin. Tolly's 12. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I feel like an old person. I feel like an old person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just noticed like that you're a creator of board games and card games and stuff like that. Like, tell us about, like, I guess. Just tell us about some of them. <laughs> I guess we could start there. Yeah, I got. I I don't know. Like, I guess I trained. Okay, so I went to college to be a graphic designer, and that's probably. I mean, I've been. Where I started working as a graphic designer back in the '90s. I guess like in '95 or '97 or whatever it was. So I've been doing that for a really long time, and I still do it freelance nowadays. And. One of my th- favorite things from a graphic design standpoint is I really like um having something that's a, like all a bunch of components that are all themed that all have to go together i don't know why i just really like that idea so when i found out that you know many years ago that there's this website called the game crafter and you can go on there and you can design your own board games you can upload all your artwork they have a bunch of different uh components you can pick like little dice and little people and whatever and i was just kind of like oh I'm, i gotta start doing that And one of the first things I wanted to do, because I really, really like Giallo movies, 
And I said, you know, the world needs some board games based on Giallo movies. I'm like, I don't know if anybody wants one, but I want one. So I'm going to make one. (laughs) So the first one I did was um, a crimson drop on a crystal palette. And it's a Giallo based board game. It's like a murder mystery. It's kind of like Clue in the sense that you know, it's a different murder mystery every time because like, you know, whoever did it and whatever the motive was and stuff is different every time. But it's kind of I wanted to make it themed like a Giallo movie. So it looked like, uh, you know, kind of the aesthetic as the as those movies have. So I set it like in an Italian art museum and I kind of put like a lot of little Giallo like in jokes and shit like that in there. Um, but yeah, I like how it came out. And then I did another one that was based on uh, the Three Mothers thing from the Dario Argento movies. And that one's kind of basically, you just kind of like build a little castle as you go. Like all the little rooms are on these, you know, kind of hexagonal pieces. And then there's uh, like three witches that you have to go defeat. And then I kind of made a funny one that's kind of like, I don't know if there's a board game or it's a card game actually called Schmovie where you it's kind of like I've seen them play it on beer and board games, which is like one of my favorite uh, YouTube channels. And you basically just like come up with a uh, like a movie title and then you have to like pitch it. So I did that, but I did a Giallo specific one. So I have like all these cards that have all these kind of Giallo-esque title words, you know, like lizard and crystal and (laughs) velvet and all this other kind of stuff. And then you mix them together and make like the the ultimate giallo film title and then you have to pitch it like to another player and like say what happens in it and like the best one gets the point or whatever so those are i want to do some more i want to do one i started working on one that was kind of based on um blood and black lace i wanted to do one that was set in a like a fashion house um with like a 60s like a mod 60s aesthetic and I got a little bit of the way out, but I haven't finished it yet. And then I started working on another game that was like Halloween themed. And I didn't finish that one either, although that one's almost done. But I've done a bunch of other ones too. Like I did one called um, Red Death, which is like a Edgar Allan Poe trivia game. Um, you kind of just go through uh, this castle and you go through all the rooms like in the story, Mask of the Red Death, and you have to get out before the Red Death gets you and... You know, you answer trivia questions and that's how you get out. And then I did one called um, Villa Diodati about Mary Shelley, Percy Shelley, Lord Byron, uh, you know, when they when she wrote Frankenstein, The Haunted Summer, 1816. Uh, So I did one like that. And I did one called Gorgon's Lair that was based on the Medusa legend. Um, But yeah, so I just it's bad because I keep having ideas for one. And oh, and I did one called um, I did one called the Green Hour, which is you go around getting tokens from all the absinthe bars like uh, in turn of the century Paris, because I really like that. I, I really like that whole Aesthetic. Belle Epoque like Paris thing. So I did one like that, too. I don't know if that one's up for sale yet, because I think I still have to. They they have a thing where you upload all the stuff and then they they have to send you a physical copy of the game so you can check that it's okay before you're allowed to put it on sale. Oh. So 
you know, and some of them are kind of expensive. So I'm just getting them like I put them all up, but I haven't got them all yet. I have like a stack over here of a few of them, but I don't have that one up yet. And like I said, I'm working on one, too, that's Halloween based where the little characters um, you have to go to like, it's like set in this little Halloween town and you go to all these little shops and you buy candy and you have to buy costumes and you can put like the costume, like over the, over the player. Um, cause it's like a little card and they have all these different costumes and stuff. And, um, so I'm working on that one and it's almost done. Like I'm almost have, I just have to do the board and then I have to do the box, but all the other stuff is done. But yeah, I just, I have a really good time doing them. It's just, I wish I had more time to work on them. Because I, I just feel like I have a zillion ideas and it's like I just don't have time to execute them all as much yeah, as I want to. I, after everything you've said, I have no idea how you're even sleeping. Like, it, <laughs> with everything you have going on. I know. Sometimes I wonder that, too. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know. I do get some sleep, not that much, but yeah. I'm always I'm always working on something. And actually, I'm usually always working on like three things at once. I have three computers. I literally have this computer. I have a computer right there. And I have a computer back there. And I usually have all of them on. <laughs> Stuff going on all the same time. <laughs> Sounds so, like you know, <laughs> Burning myself out. I, I don't, though. It's because I enjoy it, you know. I do get tired, but I, I do enjoy what I'm doing. So it, it doesn't seem like burnout to me, I guess. It hit me when you was talking about board games. I want one. And I have an idea now called How Drunk Can I Get? <laughs> I was looking for it and apparently it don't exist. <laughs> so that'd be fun. They do. I actually I got I didn't make this one, but um for Christmas I got a board game that's based on the shining. It's really cool. Like Tom bought it for me. I haven't played it yet because it's did I get it for Christmas or yeah. I just haven't played it yet because I started reading the rules and I'm like, oh, this is really complicated. <laughs> and then my eyes started to glaze over. <laughs> oh, I was actually about ready to buy a Shining board game, but we ended up buying one called Horrified. Oh, yeah? And um, we sat down to play it when the electricity went out there in the ice storm. And after I figured out how all the pieces went, I said, fuck this. I was like, no, fuck, I ain't doing this. Well, I mean, I like to I like to look at other people's board games because, you know, I want to see how they structure them and stuff. But I do kind of feel like a lot of board games are just are so complicated that I start reading like how to play and I'm just like, forget it. I'm just I can't I don't have time for this, you know. So, I mean, there's this one. What is this one? Uh, this one game that I was looking at. What is it called? I think it's called Letters from Whitechapel. And um, it's a it's a Jack the Ripper game. So you're playing like a cop that's stalking Jack the Ripper. And it's really, really cool. But when I was reading the rules, I was just like, holy crap, this is like, <laughs> God, I was like, this thing reads like stereo instructions. It was it, it was that kind of thing. It was just like, it's really, really complicated. It's a cool ass game, though. I had to I, I found it was better to watch somebody on YouTube playing it. And then I was like, oh, okay, I gotcha. Because if I was just, like, reading it, I was just like, what the fuck are you even talking about? It's easier to watch somebody play it. I don't understand why they're making them so difficult. It's like they mimic it after it comes to Dunshire from fucking Parks and Recreation or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let's make this as hard as possible. Give me Ghostbusters <laughs> Monopoly and we'll call it a day. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of games like that. 
I feel that that are just like super super complicated. Yeah, I can't keep track of all that stuff. I mean, even the ones that I designed, I was like, even some of those, I I kind of like forgot the rules, and then sometimes I'd have to like play around, and then I'd be like, wait, no, I can't do that. It's a it's harder than it seems. <laughs> like designing games, I want to do a horror trivia one too eventually. <laughs> But I have a couple more in the list, so because I have a couple like horror trivia apps on my phone, and I was like, that's fun, but I don't know. I like I like, you know, having the physical thing of like board games, and like I said, if even if nobody buys them, um, I had a good time designing them. Like I like how they came out. They make it makes me happy designing them. So that's all I'm kind of worried about. So sure. you know. I, I know you can get horror trivia apps on your phone because I have a couple of them, but I just think it would be cool to have as like a board game. I, a long time ago, I used to have a game called Goth that was uh, it was like a little cemetery and it was all about gothic music. It was goth trivia. And um, that one was pretty fun. But I don't know, because I, I just feel like we did a um, on our show the other day. We did, we did one of our live streams, which we just call Sidetracks because... We go off on so many tangents that we said, well, we need a, a dedicated show just to go off on tangents where we don't even have a topic. And some a bunch of people asked us to do a horror trivia show. So we were kind of doing that. And I downloaded these apps for my phone. And one thing that I noticed was that a lot of the horror trivia, because I watched a lot of horror trivia, like quizzes and stuff like that on YouTube. I'm like, these are all like really easy. I just felt like they were just too easy. It's it's a weird thing where most of the questions were about like the same handful of movies, you know, Halloween, Psycho, blah, blah, blah. Either that or the questions were like so obscure that it was just like a dumb question. You know what I mean? Like, what was the apartment number of this yeah. thing? Pumpkinhead or whatever. I was like, hey, nobody knows that. That's not a trivia question. That's just like a bullshit, stupid question. <laughs> but it's like, there, it really seemed like there was nothing in between. So I was like, maybe I should do a game with questions that are hard, but not that like that, but are not too easy. And that also ask questions about like lesser known horror movies. I know that maybe they're trying to appeal to a wider audience and yeah. more people have seen Halloween and The Exorcist and stuff than the have people, seen some of the more obscure ones. But I don't know. That's just not as fun for me. The people that <laughs> love horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like everybody likes their own thing, you know, and I'm not picking on anybody, but I do kind of feel I was watching this one show. I can't even remember what YouTube show it was, but it was three guys and I guess they just come on and play board games and they don't. They, so they did a horror trivia one, which was like a little card game. And one of them said, oh, I don't really know anything about horror movies. And then the other guy said he was really into horror movies, but they did really shitty. I was like watching the game and I'm just like, you guys suck at this. They didn't know anything. And the questions were really, really easy. I, I could thought. probably do well. I just can't. So like, I know that you love super, super old horror movies, but if I go before the 80s, I just really can't get get into like the sixties and early seventies or movies. Yeah. I really liked it. I guess cause I grew up with them. Um, you know, cause I was born in 72. So, you know, so when I was younger, I really liked a lot of those movies, but I mean, seventies and eighties are easily my favorite decades, but 
I have, you know, I, I love movies from every decade. I even have a thing for like silent movies. I really like a lot of silent movies. There's just something about the aesthetic of it that I really, that I think is really cool. And I like a lot of new ones too. Cause it's, one of the things was like, I don't want to be one of those crotchety old farts that, you know, it's just like, oh, everything was better back in my day. You know, they, <laughs> they don't make good horror movies anymore. They do. You know what I mean? There's I a think, lot. It's like there's a lot that you have to kind of wade through. But there's been some excellent ones. I've seen some like really fucking great horror movies like in the last 10 years. So it's like, you know, there's good shit all the time. You know, you just have to you just have to look for it. That's all. I think my favorite <laughs> In have the last, watched... yeah, Cecil. Have you watched Antrim? That uh, curse. Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. We reviewed I that one. We that. reviewed that one not too long ago. Is it pretty good? It's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's a little slow. Um, but it really does capture, uh, what it it captures that the that whole feeling of like a '70s weird, forgotten, lost horror movie. And plus, I don't know why, but I have a thing for horror movies that are about like cursed films or like lost films. That's like, you know what I mean? Like um, a few years ago where they did the masters of horror series and they had the one, the John Carpenter one on there, cigarette burns that was, um, you know, Norman Reedus. And he was looking for that, for that lost film uh, that supposedly drove everyone crazy that watched it. I really just, I really like that trope. So I think that that's kind of why I liked Antrim so much was because I don't know, there's just something about that that really appeals to me, like the cursed film or the cursed book or. Is that on yeah. anything? Like the it's, watch? Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, um, I think. Or it, you know what? It might be on Tubi for free, like Tubi TV. It might be. I try to check like every week because I look for stuff to review, like old stuff and new stuff. So I try to check all the because I have Shutter, I have Hulu, I have Amazon Prime. And I also I have a VPN, too, so I can watch like Shutter and Netflix and stuff in other countries. Because a lot of times they have movies that we don't have. So awesome. I I do like Shutter. That's probably my favorite streaming right now. That's all. Yeah. Well, we got them all, but that's the only one we've been watching. Um, how do you feel about, like, uh, there's one movie that I watched that I've got over here that my wife won't watch. And it really wasn't a horror movie, but it was a horror movie, a Serbian film. Have you ever watched that? I have, yeah. That's it, one it, most It's fucked movie. up. It's yeah. fucked up. It's not really <laughs> a horror movie, like you said, but I think... I don't know. I think this is going back to what I was saying before about the true crime. It bothered me, but not as much as it seemed to bother some people. Um, uh, I don't know. It, 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 there was something about it that kind of struck me as kind of like maybe they were just trying too hard. Like, look how shocking we are. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of got that vibe from it, and I'm just like, yes, you're very shocking. Kind of like <laughs> romantic whenever it came out. <laughs> <laughs> you ever watch Necromantic totally? I don't think I have. I'll tell you about it later. There's a scene in it that's just awful. <laughs> I think. Oh, I know. I, think, I know what you're. T- I know what scene you're talking about. <laughs> I think my, my favorite. Uh, my favorite release in the last few years has been uh, was probably Terrifier. Terrifier. Man, that was that was good. I liked that. I liked there, that a lot. Two of that too here soon. I can't wait to watch that. And we got the All Hallows Eve that he's on originally too. So that's pretty cool too. I like it. Yeah, I I think we reviewed that 
I re- think we reviewed that over Halloween because I watched it last Halloween. That was where the introduction of Art the Clown. But yeah, I mean, Terrifier was was really good. That was super fun. We watched that. We had a bunch of friends over and we watched that. And we were just like, we had a fucking great time. It's gruesome as shit. It was. We loved it. <laughs> I love that movie. It's it's amazing, like the things that were horrible back in the sixties and seventies that are kind of tame now. Like even what's that one called? I've got it over here. Um oh my god, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Like that when when I first watched that because I, I somehow managed to go twenty years without watching it. When I finally watched it, I was like, This isn't that bad they're just cutting a turtle open you know and somebody drove a stick up somebody's ass <laughs> wasn't yeah. uh, wasn't that like banned for a minute he had to go to he had to go to court to prove that he didn't murder the people making that or what yeah film. people thought it was a snuff film yeah. we reviewed that not too long other than like the animal cruelty which is real yeah. um and it's kind of so that's kind of yucky to watch but the the special effects are really well done, but honestly, I like that movie. Like I said, I really like Italian horror, but a lot of it, it's like pretty slow, you know. But it was kind of like the first, technically kind of the first found footage movie, even yeah. though everybody says it was Blair Witch Project. I don't know if it was the first one, Cannibal Holocaust, but it was for sure one of the first ones. It had to be one of the first ones. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about zombie movies? I like them, but I kind of I'm kind of over them at this point, um, just because they have made so many of them. I guess because they're easy to make, you know, they're easy, cheap. You yeah. just kind of, you know, people can just shamble around and put blood <laughs> on there, and you you can make the, you know, you can make it on your phone or whatever. I don't know. I tend to like, I like all kind of horror movies. Like I'll watch slashers, I'll watch horror comedies, I'll watch anything. But I probably my favorite. I like creepy haunted house movies oh yeah i just I, I never get enough of like creepy haunted house movies yeah and i like weird just i like weird arty horror movies that are just doing just crazy shit you know what i mean like i, I like stuff with like really weird premises and stuff that's just like really uncomfortable you know there's a, i like shit like that there's a movie that came out either last year or the year before that I really enjoy, uh, The Midsummer or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you watched that totally? Man, I can't get on board with it. You don't like that movie? I, I, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I sat through, it's like, what, two and a half hours long or three hours long? And I, yeah, it's pre- well, yeah, it's pretty long. I got to the end of it, and I'm like, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> like is that it? Like, like I could have I could have made that movie in fifteen minutes. <laughs> like, and they drugged me for three hours. It to was get the, me there. It was the build up for friend. That's <laughs> what it was. I mean, I will say that um I preferred uh Ari Aster's other movie, Hereditary. Actually, Hereditary was probably my favorite horror movie like newer one like from the past five or ten years hereditary fucked me up i liked that one yeah and that's always been a fear of mine is getting my head knocked off by a telephone pole while i'm sticking out a window driving down the road see that kind well it kind of bothered me because i don't know i don't know if you've seen the movie i think it's like from 
well, the late 70s with Michael Caine called The Hand, where he's like hanging his hand out the window and, the, you know, the a truck or something like takes it off. And then the hand like comes back and like kills his enemies or whatever, or at least he thinks that it does. It was Oliver Stone's first movie, actually. And it's good. It's it sounds like super schlocky, but it's not. It's really good. And so I have a fear of just like sticking any body part out of the window of the car. And then there was also that scene in that Quentin Tarantino movie, Death Proof, with the with the chick hanging her leg out of the car yeah, and stuff yeah. and like it's in her and her leg is flying off and bouncing See, on that, the road. That really hits my heart. Cause I, I remember that movie and I'm just like, God, <laughs> that's like one of the best car accidents I've ever seen on film. Just like the tire going over the chick's face. And like, yeah. I was like, Oh man, that's fucking harsh. <laughs> we watched that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. We just watched it a few days ago because we reviewed it. Somebody somebody sent it to us, like one of our one of our listeners sent it to us. Mm. So we did a so we did a show about it. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen it since. Well, shit, I saw it in the theater when when it was Grindhouse when it was you know because it came out with half of like Planet Terror and then they had all those fake trailers and then Death Proof. So I saw it in the theater. But the one that's on the Blu-ray is like half an hour longer. So they yeah. added a bunch of shit in there. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And um. The the hand movie that reminded me of Idle Hands. I used to love that movie when I was a kid. You yeah, remember? I remember that one. Remember, I remember that? that? Yeah. I like that a lot. Possessed hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I wonder if they're ripping off the thing. After ripping off thing, you remember thing from the Adams family? Oh yeah. That's what they're doing. They're ripping that off. That guy, the hand actor for thing, recently passed away. Recipe. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Although you know that there there was a silent movie. I think it came out in 1921. Maybe it was mid 1920s. And it was called The Hands of Orlac. And oh. it was about a guy who he was a, a concert pianist. And he was in a train accident and his hands got cut off. And then they gave him a hand transplant. And he thought that the hands belonged to a murderer. And so he started flipping out thinking that the hands were like possessed and they were making him do things. So they were doing that. Like even back in the twenties, like possessed body parts. Cause I remember I watched it like not too long ago. I'm like, wow, this is really ahead of its time. I guess like in a lot of ways. <laughs> that is awesome. I need to. I need to start watching some older movies from the twenties and stuff. We've we've made it back to pretty much that era. Uh, we started watching one the other day. I can't remember the name, but I passed out like within the first three minutes. I was I was out. <laughs> yeah, there is. You kind of have to be in the mood for them. And I honestly, I have to say, like I like stuff from the twenties, thirties, forties. Once it gets to the fifties and you get all the sci-fi and the big bug movies and stuff like that, I'm not as into those. Like, I like watching them on Mystery Science Theater where they can make fun of them. But I don't know. They're just a lot of them just seem real talky, I guess, because they were cheaply made. And they're just like, well, we can only afford to show like the giant spider for, you know, two minutes of runtime. So the rest of the time just has to be people standing around talking about the giant spider. Um, And that gets a little bit old, you know. (laughs) And I'm gonna start watching more of your videos too. I'm gonna watch this Arlene Walmo stuff tonight, probably. Except 
one of these is two hours and 41 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, well, what happened? We started recording it, and then... Um, Oh, I'm also I'm also dressed as the Bride of Frankenstein on it because <laughs> we went to a halfway to Halloween party afterward and I wouldn't have had time to get ready like after the thing. So I was just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to be Bride of Frankenstein on the Alien Warehouse show because that totally makes sense. But we uh, we were streaming for like 48 minutes and then I lost the stream. So I had to restart it. And then we just kind of got drunk and started yapping about whatever. But um, yeah, we just... We did that one last night, and then I think yesterday we also posted um, a review of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 one with Donald Sutherland, which is one of my favorite movies from the 70s. It is so. awesome. Well, if you end up making the uh, the horror trivia, you have to let us know. Okay. Um, before yeah. we go, uh, it would not be a Where in the Folk episode if I did not ask you if you uh, believe that do you believe that birds are real? <laughs> birds? No, they're totally imaginary. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> and no. <laughs> so, so Cecil believes that birds are agents of a civilization that live on Venus, and he doesn't believe that space is real. Well, really? You don't tell that properly, but essentially, I guess so. <laughs> How far off am I? Well, uh, essentially, what it is, we live in the Matrix, basically. <laughs> this is all just a simulation, right? Okay. And, you know, with any simulation, there's always kind of glitches. So there's one species that can get around everywhere, which is birds. <laughs> and these birds were constructed by the Venerians. Because if you've ever heard of Valent Thor, he worked with all these high-level government agents and everything, and he was a Venerian. I think that Valent Thor was the person that was in charge of the simulation that we live in, and that the place they call Venus is the server for the simulation. So these birds, or whatever they are, fly around in (laughs) in the Matrix and report them back to Venus so that they can correct them. Okay, well, I'll take that under advisement. (laughs) <laughs> next time, next time I see some birds outside. So beware. Be like I'm watching you. <laughs> beware. beware. Right. She's never coming back on again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so Jenny, thank you so much. This was really fun, and we appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell everybody where they can find all your merchandise and all your content and everything probably the easiest thing is to go to my website which is just www.jennyashford.com um that pretty much has links to everything and if you go to youtube and just search 13 o'clock podcast then our little channel should come up and there's like you said 900 something videos of all kind of stuff, paranormal stuff, true crime stuff, horror movie reviews, cooking tips, uh, book reviews, lots of stuff. We we also we might start doing music reviews too, but that's still in the planning stages at the moment. Because like I said, we are we already have so many things going. It's like oh boy, one more thing. But you know, <laughs> we might we might do that too in the in the future. <laughs> That would be awesome. Um, yeah, there's a lot of content. I'm I'm gonna have to start watching these. 
from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, our beginning shows were we didn't have like a video component at the beginning. It was just audio, and then like I would just do like a slideshow or whatever. So I kind of feel like I don't know. I feel like the newer shows are better, particularly once we started live streaming. I mean, they're for sure funnier. Um, because particularly the live streams, a lot of times we don't stay on topic, because uh, we just go off on we get drunk and we go off on like stupid tangents and stuff. But you know. And sometimes I get to the end of the thing and I'm like, wait, did we even talk about the end of that case? Holy <laughs> shit. And then, like the next day I can't remember. <laughs> but they're fun anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh you and uh you can find us on Twitter at Wearing the Folk. Uh you can find us on YouTube Wearing the uh, Wearing the Folk. <laughs> Audio only, you know, search where in the folk. Um, if you want to be a guest, reach out to us through Messenger on Twitter or email us at bipolar underscore teddy bear at outlook.com. And thank you so much for watching us because we're watching you. <laughs>